It's good to see everyone this morning. If you'd like to be turning in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, we will begin there in just a moment. As I mentioned, good to see everyone. It's good to have visitors amongst us. We appreciate you being here. We um, glad that you have found us. We seek to serve God as uh, we have outlined for us in the New Testament. That is the way in which we worship our God under the law of Christ. We come together on the first day of the week to do these things that we do, to pray, to sing, and to join our voices together, to gather around the table and remember the Lord's death, and to lay by in store as we have been so shown on the first day of the week, and to listen to God's word. That's why we come together, and we do all that to encourage one another in the process of worshiping our God. So thank you very much for being here. Appreciate you uh, coming our way this morning. In Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, it says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And of course, we're talking about our Lord here. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. The Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You've probably read this passage many times in your Bible studies as a, as a Bible student, or heard this from the pulpit in Bible classes. But it's a good lesson to understand what our Lord is speaking of here. You see, he's in this home of Mary and Martha. We'll talk about them a little bit more in just a moment, a little bit more about them. But he's come there, and, and one of the sisters is busy uh, making preparations and serving him. That's Martha. And rightfully so. Please understand as we go through this, it's not a, we're going we're to develop a couple of things here and understand that, that certain things being done uh, appropriately is fine. But let's not do that to the neglect of the more weightier things. And that's the big lesson that we'll draw out of this today. So here's Martha. She's preparing the house and getting things ready to, to serve our Lord. And what is Mary doing? She's sitting at the feet of the Lord, listening to him. And so Martha complains to the Lord and says, Lord, get Mary to help me. I'm doing all this by myself. Can you, can you ask Mary to come help me? What does our Lord do but point to something so very simple, that profound? He says, Martha, you're, you're worried about all the, the busyness, all the, all the preparations and the things that, that are going into just being here in, in, in amongst your house. But Mary here, she's, she understands, and he doesn't say this, but we can understand what he's, as the image shows us, Mary is sitting at my feet listening to what I have to say. And it says there that she has chosen the good part. She's chosen what's important. Guess what? The dirty dishes are going to be there tonight and tomorrow night and the next night. 
The food preparation, that's got to be done today and tomorrow. But how long is the Lord, the Son of God, going to be sitting in your house, speaking to you, taking time to teach you? It's a very rare opportunity. So I want to ask this question and, and develop this as we go through is, are you a Mary or are you a Martha? Which one are you? I don't use images like this a lot, but I, I like this one. I think this one depicts what we're talking about here. This depicts our Lord seated, seated here in the, in the house of Mary and Martha. And here's Mary depicted here sitting at his feet. This is not his mother Mary. This is a different Mary. Sitting at his feet, listening to what he has to say. And look what Martha is doing. She's back here in the background getting things ready. Again, please understand as we go through here, hospitality, uh, taking care of people in your home. We're not minimizing that whatsoever as far as the importance. But what's more important? Is it more important to be worried about the things of this life and to be busying yourself with that? Or is it more important to sit at the feet of the Lord and listen to what he has to say? So are you a Mary or a Martha? So let's think about that as we go through. This lesson is, is one in a series of lessons that I'm delivering this year. And it falls in this idea of highest and best. What is the best that we can give to God? The quote there from Proverbs 3 and verse 9, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. God expects us to give our best to him. That's why in the, in the law of Moses we see those, those animals that are to be offered to God. They're to be the best from the flocks. They're not to be the lame or the blind or those that are stolen. They're to be the best. God wants that from us as well. We talked last week about sacrifices. You know, what is it that God wants? We still offer sacrifices to God. They're different under the law of Christ than they are in the law of Moses, but we still offer sacrifice. And God still expects our best. And so when we have an opportunity, and we won't, <laughs> of the Lord seated in our house, seated in our house, What's going to be more important? The Lord says of Martha that she's worried and bothered. She's worried and bothered about the things that are going on there. Now, we know from the context there, she's, getting, she's making preparations, getting things ready. But the Lord says that, Martha, you're worried and bothered. Look over with me in John chapter 12. Let's talk about this idea of worthy and bothered, worried and bothered. John chapter 12, we have another instance here where the Lord is with Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, when you mention that name, you probably call to mind about Lazarus. Remember what our Lord did for Lazarus? He raised him from the dead. So this is the family that we're talking about. It's a very close relationship that our Lord had with this family. And we see him in their in their home on more than one occasion. So here in John chapter 12, he's there again. This is after he has raised Lazarus from the dead, and Lazarus is sitting there at the table with him, which is an interesting thing to think about in your mind. But let's read here from John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. That Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him supper there, and Martha was serving. There, there's Martha again. We don't have anything here uh, said about the, the things that are going on, but there's Martha serving again. But Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. 
Mary, therefore, took a pound of very costly perfume and pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with fragrance and perfume. So here's Mary busy doing something. So again, we're not minimizing things that, that are, are done and, and appropriate things, but just keep in mind the context of things that are going on. Now look what Judas is doing, verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, we know about Judas, right? We know who he was. He said this, why, uh, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor people? It was very costly, the things that, that Mary was anointing the Lord with. And, and Judas is saying, why didn't, they, why didn't we sell that and give the money to the poor people? That sounds benevolent, doesn't it? Well, John lets us in on a little secret about, about Judas. He says there in verse 6, Now he said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the money box and used to pilfer what was put into it. You see, Judas, is, what he says there is, might sound pretty benevolent and kind and, and thoughtful, but what he was really wanting to do is have more money in the box that he could steal out of. Verse 7, Jesus therefore said, Let her alone, speaking of Mary, in order that she might keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. See, this idea of worried and bothered. This time, it's Judas who's worried and bothered. He's worried about the, the costly perfume that Mary is using to anoint our Lord, and he's, and he's bothered by that. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, let her alone, let her do what she's doing. And there's an allusion here to a body being prepared for burial. This anointing with oil and the costly perfume, that's what they would do to a body after death. And that's what we see happening with our Lord's body after death. But Mary's doing it while he's still alive. And this is more of a, a custom of, of taking care of someone's feet when they're in your home. It was a custom of the day. But Jesus makes a link here. It says, this is, this is my burial she may keep it till the day of my burial. There's a link there of, of what's impending for the Lord. And he says there, for the poor, always you always have the poor. You, Judas, there's always going to be opportunity to, to save the poor and to, and, to, and to provide for them, but I'm not always going to be here. So where's the important thing? Where's the good part in that? Don't be worried and bothered about the things of this life. Look over in Matthew 6 with me. This might be the best one-stop shop, I use that term occasionally, to come to what we're talking about here, where our Lord says things about the world and not being bothered by the things of the world. In Matthew 6, verse 25, he says, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body, as to what you shall put on it. Is life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Verse 27. And which of you, being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil or spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory 
did not clothe himself like one of these. See, our Lord here is talking about being worried and bothered. Why are you worried about what you're going to put on your body or what you're going to put in your, in your belly? Be worried about the important things. God takes care of his creation. He makes mention here of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field and how God has arrayed them and how beautiful they are. And he says that Solomon in all his glory cannot even stand up to one of these. Because it's not the things of the external nature that we should be worried about. It's the matters of the soul. Matters of the spirit. What are we bothered by? What is it in our life that, that bothers us? Well, get your list out, right? Make all your, all your lists here. I always talk about bad drivers. You know, That's one of those things at the top of my list. Am I really bothered by those things? In Matthew chapter 9, go over there with me, just a couple pages over. I want to talk about some things here that, that we need to make sure that we're keeping in the right perspective. Matthew 9, beginning of verse 10. It says, And it happened that he was reclining at the table in the house. Behold, many tax gatherers and sinners came to him and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. And the Pharisees saw this, and they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with the tax gatherers and the sinners? You see, this was a terrible thing for, for a Jew to do. To be at the table, to be associated with tax gatherers and with sinners. This was a terrible thing for a Jew to be involved in. And so the Pharisees, who were um, the high and mighty, we might say, of the time, were trying to the question, trying to call out the Lord for doing something wrong here. And he's asking, they're asking his disciples, why is your teacher doing this? Verse 12, but when he heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. And look what he says there in verse 13. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, again, priority. What's our Lord talking about here? Tax gatherers and sinners, those are the ones who need to hear the message about Jesus Christ himself. They need to hear about God's salvation for mankind. The Pharisees should already know it. Now, of course, we know they've missed the point. They've gone off the rails here a long time ago. But he's saying that this is the ones who need to hear the message. And he's quoting from Hosea 6 and verse 6 where it says, I desire mercy or compassion and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Now that might sound strange. God says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. We just spent last week talking about how important it is to sacrifice to God. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. What's important to God? The knowledge of Him and mercy. Are burnt offerings and sacrifice important to God? Absolutely they are. But in the context, in the scale, in the priority of things, what's more important is mercy. What's more important is knowing God. The Hebrew writer spends a lot of time talking about the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer. He said those things can never take away sin. Were they prescribed by God? Absolutely they were. But that's not where our, our faith is to lie. 
Our faith is to lie in what those sacrifices mean. Our faith is to lie in understanding the God that we serve, putting him first. Sacrifices, the offerings, those things are prescribed of God under the law of Moses, and they were important. Needed to be done, but what's more important? Mercy. Compassion. So don't be worried and bothered about the things in the world. We can make a long list, we won't do that, about things that bother us in this world. And we can make a list about the things that are necessary for us to worship on this first day of the week. We have a nice, clean, well-cooled, very well-cooled, some might say, building in which to gather in. We have the the bread and the fruit of the vine prepared. We have men who are prepared to, to lead the worship, men that are prepared to deliver a message. Are those things important? Absolutely they are. Why? Because we're standing in the presence of our God. And he expects us to do things in a prescribed, orderly, meaningful way. But let's not get bogged down in the ceremony of those things. Let's not get bogged down in the other things that go along with that. After services and the things before we get here. Let's make sure that our hearts and our minds are focused on what they need to be focused on. Mercy. Compassion. Helping our brethren, helping those who come through the doors and those who walk out of the doors. Make sure we're putting them first. Martha was worried and bothered. But as our Lord says of Mary, that of only, there's only one thing that's necessary, and she's chosen that, that one thing. So what is it that, what is that one thing that is necessary? Back to Matthew 6. Let's read verse 33 in Matthew 6. What's the one thing? Our Lord says Mary has chosen the one thing that is necessary. Verse 33 of Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Does that not help us to understand what one thing is? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the first thing. That helps us to prioritize our lives. If we look back up in verse 30 here in context, we just read there through verse 29 about the cares of the world that we get bogged down in. Look what it says in verse 30. But if God so arrays the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace... Will he not do much more for you, O men of little faith? He talked about how beautiful the grasses were and the lilies and the birds. And he says they're just cut down and thrown into the furnace. How much more important are you than those things? Verse 31. Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. But your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. We need all these things to survive, to eat, and to drink, and to have clothes that protect us from the elements. God knows we need those things. That's why he says what he says in verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and those things will be added to you. So there's the priority. The one thing and the things that are, are bothered and worried by. Verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, 
for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And it's easy to say in our own lives, right? But sometimes hard to, hard to practice. What do we spend a lot of our life doing? What do we, men and women, what do we spend our working lives doing? Setting money aside and for retirement, right? We, we spend our, our time and our efforts uh, putting money away so that we can have that money at the end of our life. And that's okay. But don't lose your focus on what it is you're supposed to be doing along the way. Because we're not promised tomorrow. All the money in the world is not going to um, keep you out of judgment. All the money in the world is not going to keep you out of a sickness that befalls you. It might help your health along the way. But this life is finite. There is a time where we won't be in this life any longer. Do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Put your money aside. Do the things that you need to do. But don't put your focus there. In Hebrews 3, there's some more talk about this idea of the day and the importance of keeping the day in context. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, it says, Take care, brethren, lest there should be any among you an evil, unbelieving heart and falling away from the living God. See, there's some priorities there, right? Take care amongst yourselves. So you're not falling away from God. Why? Verse 13, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see, we have opportunity, as long as it's still called today, to encourage one another so that we don't have that hardening of the heart, that we can focus on the thing that is necessary and, and put aside those things that we're worried and bothered by. So what is necessary? What is it that's necessary? We talked about the one thing, right? From Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That's the one thing we need to be doing, seeking first the kingdom of God. But what is necessary? What, how do we go about doing that along the way? There's an old saying, you might have heard something along these lines, make hay while the sun shines. There's a similar biblical Context in the Proverbs, Proverbs 10 and verse 5, it says, He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in the harvest is a son who causes shame. So there's this proverb from this man-made proverb, make hay while the sun shines, kind of comes from that. The idea of working while the time is, is there, while the sun is shining, while it's summertime. So while we have opportunity, we need to, to work. We need to make the provisions that help us in this life. We need to make hay while the sun shines. Why? Because this is today. We don't know about tomorrow. Scripture tells us that we studied about this in our Bible class this morning. No one knows when the Lord's going to return to judge the world. It could be tomorrow. But we still have opportunity in this day. We still have opportunity to make hay. The sun is actually shining now. It wasn't earlier. We have opportunity in this day. That's what's necessary. It's necessary for us to, to put the things that we need to do in this world in the proper priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. The rest of the things 
will come along through our diligent work, through our having the right priorities, and to our service to God. He will take care of us. He promised that he would. Where's your faith? What's the best that we can do? As I mentioned, we're having a series of lessons this year about highest and best. How can we best serve God? What's the best that we can do when it comes to this, what we're talking about, being a Mary or a Martha? Let's first understand this. We don't need to be entangled in the cares of the world. Martha was worried and bothered about the things, the preparations in the household. Let's make sure that we're not entangled in the things of the world. In Hebrews 12 and verse 1, coming out of chapter 11, where he talks about all those heroes of faith. By faith Noah did this. By faith Abraham did this. And he begins there in verse 1 and verse 12, says, Since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every encumberment that entangles us and run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, we've got to set aside those things that can encumber us. Put those things aside and not let them entangle us, but rather what? Rather run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we can't be bothered with the cares of the world so much so that it entangles us and keeps us from running that race. Do we have to balance our checkbooks and pay our bills and set the garbage out? And Yes. Do we have to clean the church building and make sure the Lord's Supper, the juice and the bread's ready? Yes. Do we need to take care of this building in which we uh, come together in a couple times a week? Yes. But let's not be entangled by those things. The race is more than that. We talk about sacrifices and burnt offerings and those things. God has prescribed that we come together on the first day of the week and do these things. We're not making this up. But let's not get bogged down in it, in the ceremony of it. We need to practice mercy over sacrifice. God is pleased with our, with our sacrifices when we present them in the right way. The fruit of the lips, those things that we do, the giving, the caring for one another, those things are, are important for us. But let's not do them at the sake of not showing someone else mercy. Not showing someone else compassion. Make sure we have the right priority, compassion over sacrifice. We need to take advantage of today. Lots of scriptures talk about today, things that are happening in this day, and, and making the best of today. And then scripture talks, talks about, and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's out of our hands. The Lord could come back. Then we don't have it tomorrow. Let's take advantage of today, the opportunities that we have in this day. We talked about this in our Bible class this morning, and that's why it's made its way into this lesson. Consider the Lord's delay as a chance for salvation. In 2 Peter 3, Peter talks about this. How the mockers will come and they will say, well, the world's been the same since the beginning. Peter reminds them, well, first of all, God created the world, and then he destroyed it with a flood. And now he's saying there's going to come a time where he's going to destroy everything with fire. 
But he's saying, in verse 11, he says, considering how these things will end in this way, what kind of people ought you to be in conduct and godliness? You know there's an end out there. What kind of people ought you to be in the meantime? And in the meantime, there's a chance for salvation. God is long-suffering. He's been suffering since Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden. He's suffered with his people all the way through till today. But there's going to come a time when he's no longer suffering with us. So let's consider the Lord's delay as a chance for salvation. And as long as we are faithful, it will not be taken away from us. The Lord said of, of, Martha, of Mary's choice that she has chosen the good part and it shall not be taken away from her. What does that mean? That means when we choose to follow God, submit to Him, to submit to His will, that can't be taken away from us. In Romans 8, beginning of verse 37, Paul writes it this way, Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Through Jesus Christ, we can, we're more than conquerors. We're more than just existing in this world. We're in the kingdom. We're more than conquerors. Verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's left off that list? I'll submit to you that Paul didn't include himself on that list. Why? Because you see, Paul's choices could separate him from the love of God. My name's not on that list. Shirley's name's not on that list. David's name's not on that list. Julia's name's not on that list. Why? Because each one of us can choose to separate ourselves from the love of God. We make that choice, not God. What has God done for us? John 3.16, he so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Sent him to die on a cross. That's how much he loved the world. He wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we read there from 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4, 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, that he wants all men to, to be saved. And he's given us and the things, and these things here will not separate us from the love of God, but we can I can choose not to love God. And if I do, I'll be eternally lost. So the last thing I'll leave you with this morning is choose the good part. Are you a Martha or a Mary? Martha was busying herself with the world. She was worried and bothered about the things that were going on, the preparations that were being made. Mary had chosen the good part. She was seated at the, foot of our, at the feet of our Lord, listening to him. That's the good part. Seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's a matter of priorities. It's a matter of doing the best that we can to serve our God. Choosing the good part, and knowing that it cannot be taken away from us unless we choose, unless we choose to be separated from God. I hope this lesson has been encouraging to you. We offer an invitation as we always do.
at the end of our time together. Song number 295. We'll sing this song in just a moment to help encourage us. If you have needs of the congregation, if you have um, things that you need to make right with God, I would encourage you to make those things right. If they're of a public nature, you can confess those. If you need the prayers of the congregation, you can ask for those as well. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.